Hello, and welcome to the Parting Shot Podcast, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. I've got a good one for you today. It is all about RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, RuPaul's Drag Race is back, and it has moved to MTV for the 15th season, which is insane. Can you believe it? 15 seasons. And to mark the occasion, I'm talking with two experts on all things Drag Race. First, I'll be chatting with longtime judge Ross Matthews about the new season and attempt to get some spoilers. I I try hard. I really do. I think I got some. You're going to like it. And then I'll be chatting with past winner and my friend, Alaska Thunderfuck. Now, not only does, you know, Alaska having won Drag Race before make her an expert on Drag Race, but she also hosts Race Chaser, a podcast all about Drag Race. So she lives it. She breathes it. She is Drag Race. So who better to talk to about this season than Alaska Thunderfuck? So go on, grab a snack, because I'll be right back first with my chat with Ross Matthews, followed by my fantastic conversation with Alaska Thunderfuck. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I'm so excited for this new season. What can we expect from this new season? You know, it's it's really shocking to me, and it shouldn't be after all these years, you know, that they uh, these producers and these casting directors really scour the country, the world, for the cream of the crop, the best of the best, you know? Yeah. And um, every year I think, well, I love this group of queens like I loved last season and the season before, oh. and it takes me about 14 seconds to fall head over heels in love with them. Yeah. You know, every single time. And and this group is so varied. You know, there are queens on here that have been doing this for decades. There are queens on this season who have doing been doing this for months. Uh, there are queens on this season who have never performed uh, in front of a live audience. And there are queens on this season who have been watching us do this show since they were 10 years old. They grew up with us, you know. And to me, that is so exciting to see what this generation can do when they grew up with a show like ours on television, I didn't have it. I didn't have yeah. this. And yeah. I think, you know, it took me some time to feel like I deserved it mm-hmm. because I didn't know that we could have it because it had never been before. We didn't see shows like this on TV. We didn't it's see so true. Like I mean, us on TV. I think I, well, I saw you on the tonight show. So I had, there was, we had some examples. I had an example like you on the tonight show. So there oh, were, there, there were moments of examples, but there wasn't. And of course I had Rosie, but there wasn't, you're right there. And there was the RuPaul show, but it wasn't like enough. You know what I mean? It wasn't like uh, the, 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 as big as RuPaul's drag race is now, what kind of impact do you think the show is having on sort of on non-queer audiences? Well, I think it's, you know, it's so much easier to hate what you don't know or to fear what you don't know. And I mean, like that seems like something we've heard said before, like, Oh, once they know you, it's, but it's absolutely true. And in a lot of these places where our show reaches, whether it's a small town in some rural state or it's in, in a country where being gay is a death sentence, yeah, you know, my husband is an educator. He talks about how important it is to have windows and mirrors. Uh, he's quoting some other study but uh, who said this, but the windows and mirrors in terms of storytelling and how important that is to see yourself reflected 
and have something opened to a world that is unknown to you. And I think that our show absolutely does that to our community. It reflects who we really are. You know, you see wherever you fall under the, the umbrella of our community, chances are you're represented on our show, which I think is so beautiful. And it also opens the door to this world that some people living in those places I just mentioned may not get to see whether they're members of our community or not. And what they do see when they tune in is that the universal language is heart and sounds total cheese fest. I get it. I hear it, (laughs) but but it is also absolutely true. And that's what our show does more than any other reality competition show out there. And by the way, I watch them all Yeah, and I love them all, but our show truly, and Rue says it all the time too, celebrates the human heart. Yeah. And you know what? Also, I think the, the great thing about it so often, I think with queer entertainment, there's, there's one type of person that you see often and you know, they often, have a perfect body and they're, 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 they fit certain sort of stereotypes. I, sh- I should say that, that what I'm I, right here. You're talking yeah. about me and I'm right here. <laughs> what I love about drag race is it celebrates weirdos. It celebrates totally. just the full spectrum, both in size and color and personality and perspective and background and all of the things, the, the sort of the weirdos that they're not weird, but the weirdos, you know what I mean? I know. Uh, well, it, it occurred to me once I was sitting up at that panel with, and I think I even said something to Rue and Michelle at the time, maybe Carson was there too. And I, I, it, it just occurred to me that like, we've flipped the school ta- cafeteria upside down in yeah. that, you know, if you remember, at least it was like this for me is like, there was the cool kids table. There was the middle ground table. And then there were the freakos table. Now I was proudly a freakoid and I was sitting there and that was the fun table. They little did we, nobody knew, but it was the best table in the cafeteria. It was so fun and funny and interesting and bright and, and all of that. And so when the show started gaining this this popularity outside of our our community, I, I realized like, oh my god, like we are the same weirdos at that same table in the cafeteria, but it feels like the cafeteria has been shaken like a snow globe. Yeah, yeah, totally, fully. I can I completely relate to that. What from this season? Are there challenges? Are there are there moments from this season that stand out to you that like were iconic moments? Absolutely. Um, and I, I don't want to ruin anything and I won't ruin anything. Um, but, you know, these queens are really tested. They think they know what they're getting into because they've seen the show. And then a couple things happen. They find out just how difficult it is. The show is really hard yeah. to, to do. It's a joy to do for us at the judging panel, judging panel. But it is really taxing and trying on these competitors. They are absolutely pushed to their, their limits um, in terms of the shooting schedule and what they're asked to do. And when they survive another day, they yeah. wake up the next day to, you know, battle for their life in this competition. Again, it's, it's, it's unrelenting. And um, some, some Queens thrive and some Queens quack, crack. And um, you know, this season's not going to be any different, but how it is different is our producers are so genius. Um, and I'm not saying that cause I'm a producer on the show, but I mean, our EPs and the people that put it, they come up with every ounce of the creative here they are um, the best at what they do. There's a reason why their their shelves are stacked with Emmys is because yeah. they reinvent what this competition is every year. So it's never stale. These queens can never expect what's going to happen next because nobody can know. Yeah, yeah, totally. What's something over the years, because you've been there a while, what's something over the years that like you've seen change that's been sort of the biggest change for you over the show? 
Well, inside the show, uh, maybe the budget, <laughs> but, uh, in, inside the show, truly, honestly, you know, I started, I was a guest on season three, a guest on season six, and then I stayed, I came seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, now 15, all-star second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. What, what are we at now? Seven, eight. Yeah. Uh, the celebrity season. I mean, I've really done probably almost 20 seasons of this show. And I can tell you, as somebody who was there in season, watching from season one, episode one to being there in season three and onward, it's the same. <laughs> wow. Inside, it's the same. You wow. know, we're still in the valley. Uh, you know, a couple times <laughs> we're in Hollywood and stuff, but I mean, really, we're in the valley. And mm. it's like Rue and this group of um, creative geniuses. Yeah. Uh, the producers and Michelle Carson, we all get, we get together and we just try to make each other laugh and we just want to see like fucking great drag. Yeah. Know, that's it. it yeah. and, and, and in its nucleus, in the center of what we do, nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. It feels like the rest of the world at a certain point. And, and, and I remember when it was happening, it felt like everybody was like catching on. It was like around when the SNL did a sketch about us. Yeah. I remember watching and uh, and hearing because I was you know on the West Coast. I heard that they had done a drag race sketch, mm-hmm. and I was so terrified because I went back to the old school cafeteria thinking. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, they're gonna they're gonna mock us. You yeah. know, I, they're gonna make fun of us. And the sketch that they did, I don't know if anybody remembers this. Listening, I think you do, but it was a it's sketch fun, about right? these like straight guys in a mechanic shop mm-hmm. talking. And then it turned out they were all obsessed with drag race. Yeah. And, I, and I sat there watching and I thought, and this honestly makes me emotional, but I remember thinking like, oh my God, we're not the joke. Yeah. We're not the joke. Mm-hmm. That's humongous. You know? And when I, that year at the Emmys, I saw, I met writers from, from SNL and they came up to us and I said, I want to thank you for doing that. You know? And cause I, I just was so scared and they looked at me like they didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Cause they were like, well, of course we, what do you mean? And, <laughs> unless you had been at that table in the cafeteria, not to use the same analogy over and over again, but unless you had been there, you know, you, you don't know. And so that's what it felt like as it was being, and we all felt it. All of us felt it as the show was going to VH1 and mm-hmm. Gaga was on and that was happening and bl- blowing up, you know, it felt um, really rewarding. And then, yeah. and then, and then we went back to work. Yeah, of course. You have to go back to work. That yeah, this the sketch was a, definitely a pivotal moment for me in that like for in a lot of ways as sort of like a cultural historian to have essentially a group of straight men who you wouldn't think would be watching RuPaul's Drag Race to have them be doing that sketch and then to realize in my own life and everybody's life so we all have these straight dudes who yeah, some of them watch it with their girlfriend but then they get into it and yeah. it becomes this sort of thing and it creates that sort of that it opens that barrier that I think I had when I was a kid of being terrified of straight. Totally. I think, well, terrified of straight dudes, uh, terrified of um, being, being the joke, terrified of being mocked, you know, terrified of being vulnerable, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff um, outside of our comfort zone. Um, It was pivotal. It was pivotal for, for me. It was pivotal for the show. And I, but I also think it was indicative of what was happening. I mean, there was a reason they wrote the sketch the way they did is because that, that what was, what was happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, there's something that I've always sort of struggled with in terms of the judging panel in that, like, you know, there's there's the queens on stage, of course, and then there's the there's one queen on the judging panel. And how do you balance sort of giving a critique, even though you're talking about Ru- RuPaul? 
Yes, RuPaul, not Michelle. Well, there, that's yeah, right. So I would I would just to correct you. There's not one queen on the judges panel. There's the queen. There's, there's the queen. Yes, exactly. Yes. But mm-hmm. how do you sort of balance that? That sort of because it must be hard to be a judge when you don't do drag. So like, mm-hmm. how do you balance that sort of like? I'm going to give you a critique, but I also recognize that I don't do what you do. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Oh, and uh, please. And I hope it becomes very crystal clear to people. If it's not already how I judge on that show, I would love to um, explain it because I, I would never come at it. And I hope I've never come at it uh, from the point of like, oh, girl, this is how you do it. I do not know how you do it. What I know and where the POV that I have and we all all bring a different POV. Rue comes from doing better than anyone's ever done in the history of time. Of course. <laughs> uh, Michelle comes from, you know, the 90s club, professional, uh, great performer, and been next to Rue the entire ride, knows it inside and out, knows exactly this industry. Carson comes from a point of view of being the most uh, educated and articulate fashion expert of a generation. And I come to the judges panel um, as a super fan, yeah. as the person who, you know, follows the Queens, goes to the club, goes to the brunch, waves the dollars, screams, loses my mind as they walk out, out of the corner or around the corner onto stage in that outfit. I am losing my fucking shit. I, I can't, I could not love drag more. I am the fan who won the golden ticket, who gets to sit at that, that judges panel. Yeah. And so that's how I judge. Am I interested in how you do drag? Would I buy a ticket to your show? Would I follow you on Instagram? Would I tell everybody I know about you? Mm-hmm. That's such a good point because, and that's something that I've, I've noticed about you in general over your career is that you really are like a, just a fan. And, and that's sort of what personifies so much of how you lead even what you do, even your work on Drew Barrymore show in that like, you can tell you're also a fan, you're a friend of Drew's, but you're a fan of Drew's too. And it's, and it, the, the leading with being a fan kind of, lets the viewer be closer to the person you're a fan of. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, I, I, I think I'll, the only thing I can do is just kind of be, be who I am, you know, in the early days working on Leno, when I started back in 2001, if you can believe it, 2003 now, September 2001, I, um, someone told me, if you can get a job being yourself, you'll be employed for the rest of your life. And that made a lot of sense to me. I thought I can do that. I can be me. Um, and so my through line, you're, you're, you're very, um, uh, uh, astute my through line and everything i do is is a super fan because yeah. it's is just absolutely true it has become uh, interesting though in the 20 some years that i've been on television is that like it's blurred the lines you know in terms of now i get to go to the event and i'm with the uh, you know a lot of the people i worshiped i've become yeah. great friends with family with and um and i also have a, a skill set i love hosting i love driving yeah, a story and reading proper prompter and uh, throwing to break and and uh, producing all of that but I will never, ever, ever lose the super fandom. And you know what? I think you can have both. You just look, you mentioned a name who I think did it as great as it can be done. Rosie O'Donnell was the best talk show host ever because, right? Iconic. If you didn't watch her in the 90s and early 2000s, I'm so sorry, but that that was a masterclass in talk show. the last day of fifth grade to see the premiere of her show. Fourth grade, fifth grade, I forget. Just just to see her show premiere. Well, now we're great friends. We were just texting yesterday, you know, Uh, but I... I'm telling you, what she managed to do was uh, every day I'd tune in and she'd be talking about the night before's Allie McBeal episode and about the, how freaked out she was that whoever was coming on the show the next day, she had diarrhea, she was so nervous. And I, 
there was nothing more relatable in my life than that, you know? And, and she was the fan who won the golden ticket and got to sit there. And so uh, maybe I'm emulating her. I don't know, but it also feels very authentic and true to myself, but totally. uh, she, she's great, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just iconic. Well, so of all of the Queens that you've sort of seen come through the show, which you've been on the show, like you said, for 20 some seasons now, like what, who is one that stands out to you as sort of having the most impressive post drag race moment or the oh. most, the most sort of like the one that you're always like, wow, she did that. Well, I think it's the same one as, you know, we, we the ones there yeah. are, I, I will say this, let me just put this out there too. Like, I always say there's no losers on Drag Race. Even if you're on one episode and you're voted off, you have a career for the next 30 years. You have booking set up, right? You're set. But then it's interesting to see who does what with it afterwards, you know? And of course, Bianca has been so hugely successful touring and um, making her films and she's so good. And then um, Trixie Mattel has just taken everything to another level with the industry she's built with and Katia. Um, I have to say, I think Shangela is extraordinary, you know, um, uh, just seeing her on Dancing with the Stars and thinking, God, who would have thought first, yeah. ago, you know, way back in the day to, to what she's built now and how she's grown as a performer. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I really I think about uh, Jennifer Hudson, who was on American Idol and then sort of disappeared for a few years, but clearly had talent. Yeah. And then somebody just gave her. The chance of a lifetime and i think with these platforms that all these queens are getting i i'd like to think that maybe we haven't seen the most successful queen from our show yet yeah wow yeah no. i think that and i really think that's possible i think it could be any queen from any season all these queens are extraordinary yeah yeah truly well my last question for you is we are in sort of a uh uncomfortable place when it comes to the the outside world judging drag and and sort of the recent rise in sort of legislation even to block, you know, certain things from happening within drag performers in Texas and Florida, other states and, and whatnot. And I, I wanted to know sort of what your thoughts are on the state and future of drag, considering what's happening now and how polarized things are. Do you think that like, what can this season do to sort of counter some of the negative attention that I think drag has been getting lately because of the polarization? Uh, we can be louder than we've ever been before. That's what we can do. Listen, they've, I want to say this. What's happening now is absolutely heartbreaking, especially when you look at what's happened at like Club Q, for example, yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. You look at how certain political parties are trying to make us a wedge issue again. Um, this is nothing new. This violence, this rhetoric is nothing new. And um, it's nothing we haven't faced before as a community. <laughs> you know, you look not that far back, uh, not that far long ago in the history books, uh, they were up against even more than this. The only thing we could do, the only thing we need to do is be louder than ever. Yeah. It's, the, it's worked to, uh, since the beginning of time and it's going to continue. We are not going anywhere. You cannot put this genie back in the bottle. They will try and we just need to be louder, brighter, shinier, and more fabulous than they are. Yeah. And, uh, and that's it. You know, um, and I don't want to say, fuck them. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to say love them and then continue on. Just do you. Yeah, totally. And if there's one thing a good drag queen knows how to be is loud. So <laughs> thank you so much. I am not worried about our community. I'm not worried about it. Um, I'm I, Individually, I want everyone to take care of one another and be safe. Go do that. But we are not going anywhere. Nothing will ever silence us. I mean, just bottom line. And, and almost when people try, I just kind of think that's cute. Yeah. Cute. Yeah, yeah. that's cute. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. We're not going anywhere. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Don't go anywhere because I'll be right back with Alaska Thunderfuck. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Alaska, my friend. Hmm. I, it's A, it's great to see you. I don't feel Hi. like you in a, in a minute, which is a sad thing. And B, how excited are you for this new season of Drag Race? It's really exciting. Isn't it good? It's on MTV. Um, What do you think about it being on MTV? I love that. I think it's cool. I mean, the name MTV is, I don't know, it's synonymous with like, I don't know, youth culture and counterculture and sort of, I don't know. So like, just the very name itself is a big deal. And the fact that, you know, our show is now on MTV. Hello. I mean, and the journey it's been on over the years from Logo to VH1 to now on MTV. I mean, girl, they will follow the check. They will go where (laughs) RuPaul will put it on National Geographic. She will do it on biography. She will do it on Lifetime television for women. God, I would love it right between an intimate portrait. That's how old I am. I remember the intimate portrait. Girl, <laughs> she will follow the check. She's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Growler app? Yes. <laughs> I don't think run me of- the check. Run me the check, darling. <laughs> but no, MTV is like cool. It's like, it's it's a very cool place for it to land. Yeah, it really is. And what do you, yeah. like, what from this, like, what do you think the girls right now, all the drag queens performing are, because the show is, of course, filmed like what a half a year ago a year ago now but like it's been 78 years <laughs> <laughs> but what are right now because you've been in this position before what do you think they're feeling right now since the show just premiered well that waiting period is the literal hardest part it is the worst because you know what happened but you also don't know what it's going to look like when it gets, you know, chopped up and re-aired on TV and so much time passes that you start to forget what happened. And then you're like, then you see it and you're like, I don't even remember that shit happening. So it's very, very exciting. And I always tell the girls just like really try to just enjoy every moment of this because it's, it's the most exciting ass time like girl, all the doors are open. Use them like do it, honey, do it, do it, do it. And I mean, because you're one of the the biggest queens to come out of Drag Race, and and you, mm. and I mean, I just happen to be your friend, and yeah, that's a good thing. And what I love about being friends with you is that you're so sort of real about the experience and the reaction, and sort of what how what it was like for you during it, and then also the fan reactions. How do you think it's the fandom has changed since you've been on the show, and? Do you think that sometimes the fans get a little out of hand? Okay, if I thought the the fan, you know, sort of reaction was, you know, difficult to navigate when I was on it, 
it has only become a gorgon of a thousand heads like worse like it it's mutated it's it's grown the sort of sarcasm and like the height i mean it's like it's it's really really i can't imagine for these girls what they're dealing with but I also encourage them to like, you don't have to respond to everything. Like yeah. you really don't. And you, and you probably shouldn't. Yeah. Like is, I I mean, is, is Kim Kardashian responding to every time someone says she's a talentless piece of shit? No, because she has work to do. She has to go like run empires. So like, just go run your empire and people are going to say, you know, uh, wrong shit. They're going to say crazy shit. And, um, you know, or maybe correct shit about, you know, how, what a terrible person you are. Like in my case, <laughs> they were right. I didn't like hearing it but um, and it didn't feel good, but I don't, you know, just keep doing, keep doing your thing and don't respond to everybody. Well, and also not responding. I have found in my, as I've aged in my life, when you yeah. keep one on red, it is the best sort of revenge. Yeah. When, when you're above it and you just don't even have the breath to respond to something critical or negative. Or totally. Toxic, you know? Can't. Can't. Don't have time can't, for it. Can't, won't. Can't, won't. <laughs> Wait, so of of the, the, the all, there, what are there, 16 queens this season or something? 15, 16? Like, what? 700. 700. 500, 7,600 and whatever minutes. Yeah. Queens. Um, what queens stand out to you this season? Who are you eyeing that you're like, these are going to, they're going to go far? Well, of course, Sasha Colby. I mean, it's Sasha Colby's Drag Race. Uh, we are all just we are all just living in her kingdom. It is hers, Queendom. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. It was it was really exciting to see her announced to be on the show and and just watching it and seeing such a warm, like receptive, like response is. Well, we should probably clarify that because a lot of people listening probably don't know the history of Sasha Colby. Sasha Colby's a a legend in drag she won miss continental what mm -hmm. 10 years ago or something like she's right she yeah a minute ago which is a big big pageant in the drag world i mean she everyone who is in drag knows sasha colby and i don't think a lot of people yeah. outside of drag know that about her but they will yeah and she's like such an electrifying performer and such a cool person and just has really done a lot for this community and so seeing her just really get her roses is it's it's gratifying to me because I'm like, well, I was there in the beginning. I've known about her all along. It's gratifying for us who have known about her the whole time. Yeah. But it's also like, I don't know. It makes us feel <laughs> sorry. Um, consumption. <laughs> it makes us feel like, um, uh, I don't know, proud. Uh, yeah. Uh, of just, I don't know it's it's exciting to see her have that moment yeah um also there's queens i know i mean selena s titties la yeah. all day lux noir london uh i've worked with in new york a whole bunch um and i don't know if you've heard about it but there are twins <laughs> yeah what do you think I don't about know if you've heard i i am dying because i remember i first found out about the twins when when you came over actually to our apartment for because my boyfriend is a designer and you came over to have do a fitting or talk about something and i thought i think you brought up the twins because they were obsessed with dolls and my boyfriend's is obsessed with dolls and so it was sort of like in the conversation of or, or was it nick it might have been your friend nick who brought up the twins maybe yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but all I know is one of them called me old, like the first second no. I met her. It, it was like a joke, but it, like what I it was in a particular moment where I was feeling really insecure about being old. And so it really hit the wrong way. And it's that thing of like a first impression that just like stings with you. And I don't even know which one it was. Sugar or was it spice, darling? Because it wasn't everything nice, honey. <laughs> no, she said something. It was like she didn't even say anything rude or mean, but she was it, it was something implying that like I am ancient and she is not. Yeah. And I and I just was not I was not. Uh, ready to receive that information <laughs> at that time so i'm like yeah they're dumb twats but no they're they're i'm sure I, the thing about them is i remember i've always i guess when i started drag i always viewed drag as sort of like the place for the people who didn't belong anywhere else and we yeah. were you know we were too fat or our nose was too big or we were too femme or we were too this and too that and so we would all sort of be like the island of misfit toys and yeah. getting together and we're like we're in drag and we're sickening and we run this shit you know yeah. and so i think a lot of the resistance that's happening with the twins is that like here they are. I mean, they're so young. They're just, I mean, they're just print models. I mean, they're just like in and out of drag. They're just like so gorgeous. gorgeous. Which makes me angry because sometimes I'm like, I don't want someone to be that gorgeous out of drag. It's not <laughs> fair. No, it's not right. <laughs> it's yeah. not proper. Yeah. Like they obviously come from a good family, from a good home. And they, yeah. and they already, on top of all that, they also already have a successful career, like yeah. as, yeah. as tiktokers so they're like so they're making money already so yeah. it's like everything that was the model of like the queens really getting the golden ticket getting on drag race it's like okay well you're you're fucking fuck you guy <laughs> how dare you get out of here Had an impressive i mean since as of this recording we've only seen the first episode and it i mean i I also was very skeptical. I will admit as a performer, yeah. I was like, they, they just openly admitted they've never performed before. That kind of gooped me a little bit. And then when well, they did their number, yeah. it was fine. It was, it was serviceable. Yeah. And all that being said, and this is the thing, I mean, every ounce of oxygen talking about the show is literally about the twins. Uh, and here we are, we're doing it more, which is fine. And here's the thing, all those things being said, they actually are they're really, I mean, they're really good at drag. I mean, yeah. the proof is in just look at it. Their makeup is exquisite. The hair they do themselves. Mm -hmm. um, it's unlike anything I've seen anywhere else before. Yeah. They write their own songs. Uh, and mind you, making TikToks is not an it's easy so thing. hard. It's really difficult. It's time consuming. It takes a lot of creativity and energy and uh and like know-how to do it. So yeah. anyone saying that they're like talentless pieces of shit, I think that that's not a correct assessment. I think they're really good at drag. Yes, I I, I just hate them cuz they're young and beautiful, you know? <laughs> There is something to it. I mean, it was part of my gripe, I think, for years with, not gripe with Drag Race, but the, you know, there were no plus size winners ever of Drag Race. I mean, now sure. it's changed with Lawrence Cheney, but like there, there really had never been. And it, it, it bothered me because for me growing up and seeing Drag Queen, I was always drawn to sort of like the divine character or the, sure. you know, the bigger girls. Cause it was, to me, that was drag again, that the, the, the land of misfit toy, like, you know what I mean? Like it was sort of that sort of, yeah. vibe. so it does feel like that's 
changing because so many of the girls this season are well they're not i wouldn't say they're there's a lot that are very young but they are very young i think in a oh lot of they're all 18 years old they're <laughs> so yeah everyone is so they're like oh lucy laduca she's the old one she's 32 oh she's ancient oh my gosh she's oh oh i've never <laughs> I, love it. I love it she's no. the mother she's the grandmother of the group yeah 31 and a half what do you think when you brought up Sasha being a legend? Because she is. Uh, she is what, yeah. Well, first, before I even ask Sasha, I do have to say when I saw Mistress walk into the to the workroom and then mm-hmm. her runway, I was like, "Now that's drag. That is all drag, one thousand percent." D R A G. What did she yeah. say? She said something in her in her confessional during her runway work where she was like, "I pulled this from my closet. I did not have it made." For yeah. Her, which is like the best line. I know. Ever. It's so I'm cool. I'm obsessed with her. I think she's so great. Um, but you, you mentioned Sasha, Sasha being a legend, and she is. Do you think, I mean, going into Drag Race, and because even when you first did Drag Race, you kind of had a reputation within the Drag Race world because of the past winner. But, you know, you, everyone knew you were previously in a relationship with Sharon Needles. And so sure. having a reputation going into Drag Race, can that be a hindrance? Can that, do you think oh, Sasha yeah. is like scared in a way to do Drag Race? Because it's, it, I mean, it could it could change how people perceive you. Yeah, I mean, if I don't, she doesn't seem to be scared. No. <laughs> she seems to be like, no, I'm ready for this. Yeah. I've I've been prepared for this. Yeah, and you know, if I looked like Sasha Colby, I don't think I'd be scared either. I don't, I don't think I, when I went into Drag Race, I don't think I'd have anything to worry about. Yeah. Um. But no, definitely, and you know. It, if you are known outside of there, you're going to, your job is then to tear down everything that is the preconceived version of you yeah. and then rebuild it and re reteach them who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, she'll, she'll definitely be doing that. Now I want to talk to you about snatch game, which for anyone listening, I mean, it, it's the performance one. It's where you get into a character and you, you do a, you do a whole different character. Yeah. Last season snatch game was, really bad really horrendous it was, it was iconically bad in a way yeah. that has become sort of iconic within the legend of drag race how you have done very well at snatch game both times you were on the show how how does one prepare for something as big as snatch game i don't really recommend preparing too much because then you're like trying to remember your lines that you thought were funny when you wrote them six months before, instead of just like listening to what is happening in the moment. Mm. You can have a couple in the pocket if you're really like lost, like your ace up your sleeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't don't script it out. Don't try and like think about what they're going to give you and like try and have every response planned because then you're not just going to be like listening and reacting in the moment, which is where all the comedy fucking comes from. Yeah. So have a couple of zingers up there, you know, come on up and fuck me in the ass sometime. <laughs> oh, when I'm good, I'm good. But when I'm bad, I get a serious venereal disease. <laughs> you were doing oh. Mae West for context. Yes. And it was yeah. perfect. It was a perfect performance. 
I had a couple lined up, but for the most part, you just have to like be in in the moment and really sit in the character. And even if you don't fucking sound like them or look, I'm swearing a lot. Am I allowed to swear on this? Oh, you're fine. You're totally fine. We got to bleep. So, We're good. I am so crass. I am. <laughs> I mean, filth. would I expect anything other than from a legendary drag queen? No, I would. I please. I'm pure filth. But no, if you, if you, it doesn't matter if you even look like them or sound like them, just as long as you're like, I don't know, responding and like being in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have two, I have two more questions for you. So what, okay. When you're preparing for drag, cause you mentioned that, you know, you, like you said, with snatch game, you, you prepared these things six months in advance to get there and do it. And I'm, I'm the show has definitely changed since you've been on the show in terms of the elevation of sort of these outfits of some of these girls. What, how do you, how do you actually prepare in the month time span that you have to be on drag race? Like, how is that, how is that even possible? I don't know. I don't know how they do it nowadays because the scrutiny is so large now that, I mean, I could show up with a bag of dirty laundry and, you know, make it, make it work. Yeah. Roxy Andrews made everything that she wore on the runway at Drag Race. I don't really? know. Yeah, like, because she was like, I have something for this, but they have this fabric over here. I'm just going to make something new. Literally just whipped out outfits every single day. Uh, I I don't know how these girls prepare for it. I don't know where they get the money from. Yeah. I, I you know, uh, I don't even girl when Sharon went to drag race we had to our friend was dating a doctor and we had to use his credit card just for the baggage fees wow because when you get to the airport the bags are heavy and you have to we didn't have a dollar we did not have 10 cents wow so it I don't know how the girls do it now you have to look so good your clothes have to be so good your yeah. hair has to be cool and great I don't know. I, I don't know how they prepare. It's impressive. It is definitely. It is. Although I do fear that sometimes some of these girls are going into debt, getting ready for this thing. But it's, I know it's good TV. It's good TV. So it's great TV. And they'll end the great thing about drag race and the elevation of drag race is that they'll be able to pay off that debt once they start get on the show and do the bookings and the, and the, and the whatnot. Cause it, that's it, what we hope for them. That's what we want for them. Exactly. Well, that's why it's important. I think the, I know the contract last year was very, very strict and I think they've lessened it up, which I think is the right way to go because you want to allow the girls to go wherever they're going to go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in order to be like successful and go out there and do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, that's important. I think um, my last question for you is, so if you had to like the, do a fantasy, not fantasy football, because what's football, but fantasy drag race, and you had to pick a top four right now, based on what we know from what we've seen, who is your top four? Who do you think? Maybe not your favorites. Let's say your favorites. Who do you think will be in the top four? Out of this season? Out of this season. Um, uh, Sasha Colby, I would love to see. Lux Noir London, I would love to see. Um, Anitra, I think, is like a sleeper sort of sneak attack, mm -hmm. sort of like we need to watch out for her. She's going to go far, I think. And then I don't know, one of those, one of the double mint twins. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Wait, where can people, what are you working on right now? And where can people go to whatever you are doing right now? Because you're doing lots of shows. You're on the road very frequently. I, I, I 
I don't know what I'm doing. Listen to my podcast. That's what yes. I'm going to say. I'm always doing that. Yes. Race- that never takes a break. We are, especially when it's drag race time. So we are reviewing uh, and covering every single episode of drag race. Um, the It's called race chaser with Alaska and Willem. And uh, we, um, we do read, we do throw shade, but we keep it cute. It's a perfect <laughs> podcast. It really is. And I, 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 I am, I'm, I'm humbled that you were, that you were even partially inspired by my other podcast, the golden girls podcast for, I love, Oh, we ripped it off completely, honey. I love we stole that, it from in you. that in that world with you. It is, it is one of the, every time I listen to one of your episodes, I'm humbled. By it. I'm Absolutely. I yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> thank you. It's great to see you and great to talk to you. Um, wow. What an episode. Let's watch Drag Race together. You can find me at H. Allen Scott on Twitter, Instagram, all the apps. Let me know, tag me, respond to my you know posts about Drag Race, all of the things. It's going to be a fun season. I just know it. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. If you liked what you just heard, you know, leave that little rating and review and maybe share it on social media. And for more on the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. And while you're at Newsweek.com, be sure to subscribe to Newsweek's For the Culture newsletter. It comes from me every Tuesday and Thursday. It's fantastic. It's fun. You'll love it. Until then, watch something fun like, I don't know, Drag Race, and have a great day. Music